Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, why its rivals are naming Channel 10, Channel Trump. A tale of two cities, Olympic gold for seven, but NBC struggling. And the big streaming wars at Scarlett Johansson sues Disney over their streaming strategy. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there and welcome to another big week of television news. Joining me in the hot house is Aaron Ryan. Hello, Aaron. Hello, gorgeous people. And I can say, as of yesterday, I am proudly fully vaccinated now. Awesome. Well done, well done. Another vaccinated man is Mulk. Hello, Steve Mulk. Yeah, hi, howdy, howdy, howdy. Um, G'day and how you going? And Sarah... Over in Florida, you're vaccinated too. I've been vaccinated for months because the, even though people make fun of Florida, we have our shit together. <laughs> 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 I am the only unvaccinated person here and I'm actually trying to get vaccinated and I'm willing to take AstraZeneca. But yesterday I was making call after call after call couldn't get through, and that's probably because Queensland's in lockdown or southeast Queensland's in lockdown. But I have been trying for a bit, but uh, I shall have to try harder. Everyone needs to try harder because I will never be allowed to come home to Australia unless people get that shit in their arms. I'm just waiting for that 300 bucks that Anthony Albanese is uh, putting up on offer. You'll be waiting for a long time. <laughs> mm. I think you're right there. Hey, let's get into the stories because the financial results for Channel 10 are in and the AFR, and the AFR reports the network lost a cool $3.4 million in 2020. Now, that's a much better result from the $226 million of 2019. The paper reports if one-off items are excluded, the company reported an underlying profit after tax of $48.1 million. Well, this is a big turnaround from 2019 and it's taken a lot of job cuts to get there. It really has, Rob, and, and I hope that we have seen the end of them. Um, who knows? But I certainly hope that uh, there are no more people that are, are bloodlet from inside the House of Piermont. Look, it, it's it's a good sign that they're lifting, that uh, you know, there's, there's advertising coming in that they've been able to resolve any of their existing debts and been able to um, get that stuff structured so that as a business they can start to build again. Uh, and that is really important, not just for the sake of the business itself within the Australian context, but absolutely as far as its uh, overseas owners would be concerned about. They don't want to be carrying, um, uh, you know, a, a business that isn't performing and isn't breaking profit. The one problem here, this is a good result and we should be applauding 10 for getting back into a much better position. 
The problem for them is they have now been caught out in another lie. So to backtrack a bit, uh, I did an article in the last couple of days about the fact that rivals are calling Network 10 Network Trump because they make false claims and then just repeat them over and over again, hoping people will believe them, the claim being undisputed under 50s. Uh, The fact is they are not undisputed under 50s, no matter how much they try to spin it. And when the network with integrity, as they claim, makes bullshit claims like that, it becomes laughable in the industry. The reason I bring that up is because... We had correspondence with Channel 10 a few months ago where they were, their lawyers had approached us again because they weren't happy with something we did. And as part of some uh, back and forth about stock market results for their parent company, they made the claim that Channel 10 was in profit. And I actually said, well, that's a great story. I'd love to Um, report that story. Can we do that? No response. And then, of course, the results come out and they're not in profit. They are down 3.4 million. Now, in the scheme of things, that's not a lot of money. That's not a big deal. But they're still not in profit and it's another lie. And, of course, when I went back to the people making those claims, radio silence. It's the ostrich with its head in the sand. And I've got to say, Mulk, if Channel 10's team want to be taken seriously, they've got to stop the bullshit. Channel 10 had everyone on its side at one point because they were the underdog. Now they're trying to be arrogant and just full of bullshit. It, uh, it places them in a difficult position in the market, doesn't it? They are leaning in very heavily to their undisputed under-50s claim. Uh, the fact that they said earlier that they were you know, going to make a profit and then, look, stuff can turn around within the market situation. I absolutely appreciate that. That, you know, they, they might have been selling towards, however, here we land and this is what the, the results tell us. Um, look, it is... Uh, for, for for new listeners to the podcast, you might not have caught up that we've been talking about 10 for a little while because of these kinds of issues. Um, for, for long-term listener of the podcast, um, thank you for hanging in with us. Um, it, it, is, it is proving to be a difficult... I don't mean to be on a 10 bashing scenario, no, no, no. by the way, and I get called bitter and all those kind of things. And anyone who's called me that, I've said, well, okay, let's just say I am bitter. Is my reporting wrong? And no one can find holes in my reporting. Well, we're certainly not hearing from 10 with regard to it, and we haven't yet heard from their lawyers, which in itself isn't a bad thing. Perhaps they're just figuring that if they give us no attention, we'll go away. Um, the, the difficulty <laughs> for them is that we're not. Um, I, I am. Uh, it, there's even a comment on the TV Black Box uh, website this morning suggesting that we should rename it to the 10 Trash Box, that you and I have an agenda. Um, and I, I don't recall us having an agenda other than just trying to report the news. Um, it's It's... Look, it's a difficult position so on for that, 10. Mark, yes. what I would say, what I would say is that it might be coming through that way at the moment because when you're treated like shit, you respond in kind. Ten and us had a great relationship for a little while there. Then we did one yep. comment, one article, you know, that pulled them up on how they were going and they get all precious and say, you're biased reporting. Well, then it becomes a chain effect. You know, in the last week when I'm being accused of being anti-10, I did an article about their 9pm strategy and how I thought this is a great play for 10 and will change television in this country. It will change the narrative if they 
do get the 9pm strategy right. So where I'm giving credit gets ignored and where TV Black Box gives credit and there's a focus on the negative. The problem for 10 is there's a lot of negative and they've got no um, uh, goodwill from people like us because they treat us like shit. And, and point of order, Mr Chairman, the, the the article that, you know, turned the Channel 10 against us most recently was a very fair article from Kevin Perry talking about mm. um, their performance and what had been going on. So it's not like we have an agenda against any network, especially 10. Um, absolutely, we've been treated reasonably poorly. And, and that was played out in your article, Rob, where you mentioned that other... Um, uh, publications have have had the same or similar experiences to us, where when they write stuff that is maybe, you know, in a fair way, but says that maybe Ten aren't doing great or that show wasn't such a good thing, that they cop the cold shoulder, they get cut out of things. Mm. Uh, and to have Mabengi, that's from, it. It's not just us; they treat everyone like shit. And to have Mabengi from News.com.au come out and and basically say uh, that you know the executives need to be replaced, that she'd had that similar experience as well. Um, News.com.au aren't exactly a small publication. Um, she's she's the Daily Telegraph. Yeah, well, she she writes across the news uh, content mm. as well, and 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 look, it's it's an interesting place that we find ourselves in 2021, when the third placed commercial network wants to fight the people that could quite possibly help them. Mm. One thing I want to ask you about: um, these results come off the back of what was a relatively good year for Ten with MasterChef. This is 2020 we're talking about. Uh, mm. Their shows held up. Okay. This year has been a bit of a disaster. MasterChef almost halved its audience. The Bachelor had its lowest launch ever. Should we expect um, them to be in a worse financial position next year because of those ratings results in a tougher advertising market? Oh, look, given that it's the, what, 3rd of August that when we're recording this, it's probably too early to guess because they do have a bunch of stuff coming down the pipe that I think we'll talk about later in the show. Um, that, that for me, gives give some real buoyancy. They are in all sorts of trouble with what MasterChef looks like and with what um, The Bachelor is doing currently. However, The Bachelor is up against the Olympics right now. So, in, you know, yeah, it's, but the it's, launch wasn't. No, and the, the launch, launch was the lowest rating launch ever. And it's only got worse since then, right? So there's challenges mm. in all of that. Um, I, I think that there's still time for things to pick up and for it to not affect their bottom line. Um, however, we need to see what 10 do give us in Q4 and into Q1, Q2, um, 2022. I agree. Okay. Well, one of the biggest stories of the past week has been news that Scarlett Johansson is suing Disney for breach of contract after it streamed her superhero film, Black Widow, at the same time as its cinema release. According to the claim, Johansson was promised the new Marvel movie would be a theatrical release first. Traditionally, there is a window between a theatrical release and streaming. Disney fired back, revealing the star had earned $20 million so far and said in a statement the claims were, and I quote, especially sad and distressing in its callous disregard for the horrific and prolonged global effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, Sarah, for a major company like Disney to play the victim here, that certainly takes some kahunas. Well, and if it had been a man that had demanded that he was paid correctly, would they have done this? Or do they think they can yeah, just do it they, because it's a girl? They, uh, this isn't a male-female issue. Uh, I don't think we need to go down this path. This is a star who was promised, allegedly promised something, who didn't get what she wanted. Well, and if she, in her contract, if her back end is that she's getting a percentage of the box mm-hmm. office money, 
and then they took that away from her, then yeah, like that's wrong. Like she was promised that money and she absolutely should sue them. And I don't give a shit if it's, if it's a global pandemic, like you don't, it's Disney. You don't get to claim that kind of crap just because you're Disney and try and get away with it. It's no. The short answer is it's two words, contractual obligation, right? Mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson isn't coming at Disney to say you should give me something magical because something else happened. All she is asking for is what is in her contract. Correct. And the fact that they changed the goalposts after that contract was signed is on Disney, not on her, and we will see it play out in the courts. And, of course, there will be a settlement and everything will be fine again. And, and Sarah, the reason I say this isn't a male-female issue because Peter Jackson did the same thing about Lord of the Rings and he challenged the profit participation figures that were sent to him and the amount of money he allegedly didn't get, uh, and that was a whole thing with uh, New Line Cinema at the time, I think it was New Line. But did they try and slander him the same way? I think they did, and that's what they do. I think this was – look, I want to say I loved being able to stream Black Widow on Disney Plus Premier Access. I love that. I am a big fan of Premier Access. But – I don't think Disney's play here was smart. What they, they tried to do a number of things. One, we're going to embarrass her about the num, about the amount of money she's already made, twenty million. There you go. How dare you cry, Paul, when you've earned twenty million? Secondly, using COVID nineteen pandemic as a as a get out of jail free card. We all know Disney are making a play for their streaming service. They know it's the future, and they're using a big ticket item like Black Widow to drive people to their subscription service, yeah. and they're trial the model of premiere movies this is a business decision if they went with that and said to her in the beginning look we're we're moving towards this this is what's going to happen then she probably would have been fine with it or she would have said i don't want to make the movie right now because i'm not going to get that money or she would have negotiated the contract differently Mm. And Warner Brothers when they made the decision to release movies for a year or maybe more on streaming at the same time. They actually then had to go and renegotiate all the talent deals and they paid compensation and some movies that perhaps wouldn't have done so well, meaning the directors and actors wouldn't have got so much money in back end, actually got overpaid because Warner's had to go and presume what those movies would make as part of uh, the compensation payer. We all know Black Widow's a big movie. It's actually a really great movie. I was genuinely surprised at how much I loved it and uh, I, I I don't think there's a problem with her. I still love Disney. I love Scarlet. Uh, they just need to kiss and make up because I don't uh, like it when mummy and daddy fight. <laughs> it's just it's just the business bullshit in the background, right? That's all yeah. this is. And yeah. and good on Scarlett Johansson for sticking to her guns and mm. for all of the stuff that all of the mud that will attempt to be slung at her. All she's after is what is rightfully hers, as per her contract. And where they where they being Disney decided to change the goalposts, so therefore they had. As was mentioned in in the, I think, the affidavit that was put by um, Scarlett's lawyers, um, Disney had weeks to be able to renegotiate the contract with her before they made the change, and they didn't. Yep, yep. And we have to say that it's all allegations and needs to be proven in a court of law at this point. So we can't assume Disney have done the wrong thing here because while we're being told what was in the contract, we haven't seen the contracts and it hasn't been proven before a court of law. Okay, 
There's Thanks, the, Disney's um, lawyers. Disclaimer. All right. Sky News Australia has been temporarily banned from uploading videos to YouTube for seven days, including live streaming. YouTube told Six News Australia, who broke the story, we have clear and established COVID-19 medical misinformation policies based on local and global health authority guidance. According to YouTube's policies, they operate under a three-strike system. In a statement, Sky News have said, we take our commitment to meeting editorial and community expectations seriously. However, the outlet went on to say that they expressed reject at any hosts have ever denied the existence of COVID-19, as was implied. Sky's COVID-19 editorials have come under increasing scrutiny recently, especially those of veteran broadcaster Alan Jones, who has maintained COVID-19 is no more deadly than the flu. Aaron, fair enough for an infringement on free speech. Well, big scoop from Leo at uh, Six News Australia. Look, which none of the big outlets credited. How hard is it to credit someone? All of them want to take ownership of a story. This was broken by Leo. As far as I know, I, I haven't seen anything to suggest someone else broke the story first. Leo breaks this story and gets no credit whatsoever. Australia's media should hang their head in shame, not being able to credit people. We all credit the big outlets when they break a story. Do it back. Do the right thing. You, those at News Corp can't criticise the Daily Mail over non-credits when you're not crediting the guy who broke the story. And for once, I can have this bitch in mind without it being something to do with me because he deserves the credit for breaking this story. Yeah, good on Sorry, rant over. <laughs> good on you, Leo. Yeah, great story. Well, my answer is all I can say to YouTube is seven days is not enough. And Sky News After Dark especially should be banned from all social media platforms permanently. The amount of misinformation and just plain bullshit that these opinionated fools keep dishing out is literally unbelievable. It does shock me on one hand that these commentators have a following, but then I guess so does Paul and Hanson, so does Pete Evans, and even serial killers have followers. So I guess it's each to their own. And for more Serial Killer news, go to Monsters Who Murder, Serial Killer Confessions, available in your favourite podcast feed. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to challenge you on that. I get that you don't align politically with Sky After Dark, but that's an opinion and you're wanting to shut that down. And this is Twitter to a T. This is the Twitterati. Anything we don't agree with has to be shut down. Sky have the right to push their views on their own platform. The, where the line is drawn is if they are endangering public health and they are putting misinformation out there. The big issue out of this, for my mind, is the fact, what is ACMA's role here? Now, apparently, Leo has followed this up again. Great reporting from, I think he's 14 now, um, that he has reported that ACMA have received something like 26 complaints from memory and they are letting the due process go through. So what happens? Someone complains to Sky. Sky responds. If the complainant isn't happy, they then can go to ACMA and an investigation will be carried out. So that system is going through place at the moment. What ACMA didn't mention is that they have the power to open their own investigations if it's a big issue. I would suggest that is possibly going to happen now that Senator Hanson Young is getting involved and calling for an inquiry into Sky's behaviour. But if you take Alan Jones out of the mix, which I think Alan's career is 
pretty much done. The Daily Telegraph have dropped him. Um, Sky, he draws a lot of views, so it'll be interesting to see whether they do. But the fact is people are entitled to alternate opinions. They're absolutely entitled to uh, different opinions, and I, I like having debates with people with different opinions. I'm talking about almost extremists. They have almost extremist point of views on, on some things, and look what's happening they're doing with COVID which is creating problems with people that, you know, are thinking, oh, geez, I'm not going to get vaccinated now because of what I heard on, on, this, on this program. Some of it is just misinformation. Um, you know, we talked about Pete Evans before and, you know, like he, he should be banned and he does have a different opinion and maybe he should be allowed to have a following, but his opinions just come... Well, he's a, allowed to have a the, following. It depends on the platform that he's given to do that. Well, that's right. But, you know, to have a platform like this, it's... Some of these opinions, I'm sorry, I just are just so extreme, and you know they don't research anything, or they have these university, you know, from the University of the Antarctica or something like that as their backup arguments and stuff. I mean, it's just a lot of it's just plain rubbish, and I just think it ruins the brand because the Sky News brand. There's nothing wrong with it before the After Dark. You know, so yeah, but After Dark is resonating. They're making a lot of money, and this is the thing, Sarah, that. Getting YouTube taken off for seven days will hurt their revenue stream because they make a lot of money because the 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 videos are very, very popular. I watch Sky News on YouTube sometimes because it's, frankly, sometimes the only news I can get from Australia in video format. Hmm. Um, and my thing is, is, like, I guess as an analyst in the military, we watched a lot of stuff and it was up to you as an adult to sift through and make your own opinion on what was fact and what was spin. You know, people don't say that the Babylon Bee or that the onion need to be removed because, you know, it's, I mean, there's people who believe that shit when it's printed and don't realize it's satire, Mm. you know, and just because, you know, you don't agree with an opinion doesn't mean it shouldn't be out there. I mean, I've been vaccinated. My husband's had COVID. So I understand COVID's real and I'm not scared of the vaccine, but I still don't have a problem with people having different opinions because that's what makes the world go around. I I think that there's um, a lot more to this than we have time to discuss, quite frankly. Um, Certainly the top line issues are that Sky News uh, at night's YouTube account being suspended for seven days will cost them a lot of money. They have poured a lot of energy, particularly during the uh, election, uh, what was it, last year, um, into putting out a whole bunch of um, essentially Fox News-style reports that gained them a whole bunch of subscribers from America. That's in part why they have such a huge following on YouTube. Um there was a great piece on it last night on Media Watch talking about the impact and the effects and those sorts of things. The difficulty for Sky News is that Sky News at night is 100% opinion. There is nothing about it that is news. It is all opinion. And the challenge in that is that when you're running what is a reputable news service during the day and then it is white-anted in the evening by people delivering stuff that is, look, ranty, spurious when it comes to facts but even cnn cnn has a bunch of shows that are purely speculative and opinion i mean don lemon is all opinion anderson cooper for the most part is opinion it's just it's the correct opinion so Mm. i think it's the way stations do the same thing i think it's the way that they sell it the problem for sky news particularly with this is that their night programming is delivering time and again content that is causing them to have to backflip and apologize out of 
you know, sort of uh, legal issues, or as they're now starting to see, and this is the stuff where we have to get into, it, particularly coronavirus, but I don't want to buy into it too deeply. As a as as a as a global population, we are facing a very serious pandemic and having misinformation, half truths, and for example, some of the bullshit that Craig Kelly offers up, uh, being spit out as fact, is unhelpful to say the very least. All right, let's take a look at the ratings race for week 31. And to the surprise of no one, Team Red was the big winner with its Olympic coverage. Seven had a whopping 48.8% network share for the week. Team Blue was second, way behind on 19.9, with the Trump network on 13.6. The national broadcaster had 11.4% and SBS had 5.3. In terms of primary channels, things were pretty much the same with the Reds on 35.8, Blues on 13. and Team Trump and the ABC tying on 8.1. Malk, outside of the Olympics, what are the shows holding up against the juggernaut of the games? Is there anything else on TV at the moment? It's hard to tell. Um, There's no question that Survivor has managed to hold its own. In fact, it's managed to keep an audience that would be um, more than competitive if it wasn't for the Olympics, if it was just trying yep. to compete with the other 7.30 shows. So what's it? It's in the 600s? Yeah, I think it dipped under just recently, but it's been maintaining that early to mid-600 kind of run, which is great business for 10, uh, as well it should be. The problem for them is that then, as we mentioned earlier, The Bachelor's fallen on its ass, uh, and the last two episodes last week um, were the lowest and second lowest the franchise has ever seen like 360 and 367. That's nasty business. Um, uh, Beauty and the Geek has been struggling. I think we kind of expected it to, um, particularly when there was the the backhander of not everybody gets a makeover. Um, that's always the, the winner um, sort of slot in that, in that franchise. So it's been down to sort of the low 500s. But, you know, nine are pushing on travel guides, did good business. Everyone is just tossing stuff at the screen and hoping that it goes through. The real game begins again, and we'll talk about this in a second on Sunday night. Ah, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But it is interesting, um, Beauty and the Geek, as you said, holding up really well on the Sunday nights. Aaron, have there been any surprises for you? No, it's all... it's. The Olympics have just been going so well. I I think it has to be a, a mix of lockdown as well. They they just have huge, huge figures. I've got a few figures for you um, and some year-to-date stuff as well. But just because these kind of figures we're not going to hear again. Um, so here's a couple. Seven Mate had a higher weekly audience last week than Ten's primary channel. Uh, Trump's primary channel. also the seven network had its highest ever weekly share since oztam launched in 2001 um the primary channel share was the highest weekly share since 2009 seven mates 10.1 percent commercial share is the highest weekly share ever uh two more taking out seven's primary channel and only combining their multi-channels of seven mates seven two and seven flex so just the multi-channels alone beat the whole of network 10 including their primary channel and the last one is um saturday the 31st of july the biggest 6 a.m to midnight commercial share 72.4 percent for any network since oztam launched since 2001 so 
just records have been broken everywhere. So just I want to reveal the year-to-date figures as well. Um, I'll use the standard formula of the ratings here, 6 p.m. to midnight and exclude Easter. So the seven network is in front, 29.7 to 9 on 28, 10 on 17.6, and ABC only one point behind on 16.6. 25 to 54, 9 remains in front, just in front of 7. In 16 to 39, 7 is now in front for the year. And in 18 to 49, 9 is also in front on 30%, with 7 on 29.8. And in the primary channels, um, 7 is now in front on 20.4 to 9 on 20.1. ABC is in third spot on 11.8. And 10's primary channel is now in fourth on 10.8. And 9 is still leading all the demos in the uh, on the primary channel. Wow. Very interesting. Thank you, Aaron. Well, when it comes to Olympics coverage, it's a tale of two cities for Seven and US broadcaster NBC. While Seven is delivering gold for its advertisers, NBC looks set to offer made goods for a big drop in audiences. The average nightly viewership at the halfway point of the Games is down 42% from the 2016 Summer Games across all of NBC's outlets. To make matters worse, streaming service Peacock has left many customers angry as many events are not available on the platform. Although one positive has been a series of programs hosted by Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart where the two watch events for the first time and add commentary. There are clips doing the rounds on social media and they are hilarious. Sarah, why aren't the games resonating in the US like they are in Australia? Because we're not on lockdown and you can go and watch it in a bar with your friends and that doesn't count in ratings because it's not on a home TV. But that's always been the case with the Olympics and the fact is NBC is struggling. Yeah, I just, I don't think anyone cares. Like today, Team USA, the soccer, came like they lost to Canada and all everybody cared about was like, you know, go work, go broke because they were like, you guys are so busy worrying about politics that you lost the game. And people are actually kind of cheering for the US not winning and I'm mm. like, this is just stupid. And everyone's upset because half the teens and, you know, kneel, like they're taking a knee during the, the national anthem. And it's, I think it's, it's so political, the teens, instead of just going out and like representing a country and saying, you know, I love America and I'm, this is why I'm representing America. They've made it political and it's turned people off so they're not watching. Well, and I learned today that Puerto Rico has a team. And I'm like, but Puerto Rico is a territory of the U.S. and apparently they have their own team and they won a gold today. <laughs> so I was like, I was today years old when I learned that, that they have a, their own team. Um, so, yeah, but no, I think... Look at that. You can still be taught, Sarah. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's like, it's just, it's, it's the middle of summer. It's beautiful weather. Everyone's outside. No one's sitting at home watching TV. Sarah, can I assume that the time difference is playing a part? Because in Australia, a lot of prime, it's beautiful for prime time for us over here anywhere from yeah because it's in japan which is the same time and here but i mean i when i go up to the tiki bar like when we get off the boat when we're done with the day and we want to get off the boat we go up to the tiki bar and i do watch the olympics on the tv up there and there's like six tvs and they have maybe two of them on the olympics and even then they've just got stuff on other things then they've just random stuff like i don't get why they're putting like i'm sorry here's my rant about the olympics i think it should still be amateur sports like if you're putting golf which people already watch <laughs> golf and make money from golf and it's already like it's got its own fucking network on american tv why is it at the olympics like they put so many random new sports in there that don't need because to be they there can get stars and draw audiences to the olympics it's all but commercialism it's stupid. go back to shot put and you know 
hurdling, which you're never going to make money for outside of the Olympics. They still have that. It's just yeah, well, but, no, but, That's this week. But they're not showing it. Every time I go up there, it's the stupid golf and things like that. I'll ask them to switch, switch over to the, the shot put in the hurdle. But that's what's on. But that's what's on. But that's what's on NBC. Mark, what do you think? Is Sarah right that we're in lockdown and that's what's led to these figures for seven? Look, there's certainly a big part of that. There's no question that having, you know, Sydney and Melbourne for the first little bit of it in lockdown will have absolutely boosted those numbers. And then, of course, the fact that we are parochial to a fault, uh, you know, week one with lots and lots and lots of wins, of course we're going to tune in. Yeah. Oh, mate, and it just ignites interest. Like the swimming um, trials could barely get interest. You watch the next swimming trials based on the fact that we just pulled 11,000 mm. gold. Um, it's a great pickup for Amazon Prime Video just by the Amazon way. Amazon Prime. I was wondering which streaming service it was. Um, the, the difficulty for America is that because it's in Japan, and this is why, to everybody's crybaby issues, this is why the swimming finals have been in the morning because that's prime time in America. So – the rest of the day and into our evening play overnight in America. They're getting everything on delay mm. or catch up online and sit up until 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. to watch the events that you want to see. Whereas for us, it's perfect. Right across, there is a one hour difference between Sydney and Tokyo. So it, in for all it gives us, in fact, is the hour between seven and eight when they're just filling it with replays because there's no events scheduled. Mm. Um, that's the only downside. Uh, it, it's, it's a it's a challenge, I think, for NBC particularly because it's an overnight games for them, and that is something that hurts them, which we often have to deal with. So all the time, and it doesn't rate <laughs> the same for us either. All right, now it's time for hatches and dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. The Foxtel Group has secured a new partnership deal with Amazon Prime Video and confirmed an agreement to integrate the Prime Video app into Foxtel IQ3 or newer set tops by the end of 2021. Projection House, CJZ, have confirmed that pre-production for the 13th season of Bruin is underway and plans are in place to have it return in 2022 as well. Todd Sampson and Russell Halcroft have signed on and other panel members, including Dee Madigan, are also believed to be returning. Foxtel has announced a new destination for award-winning documentaries from around the world. Fox Docos, launching on September 1st, will be available through Linear Program and On Demand. The first female Doctor, Jodie Whittaker, as well as showrunner Chris Chibnall, have announced that they will be leaving Doctor Who. Chibnall says he and Whittaker made a three-series and out-packed, and the Doctor will regenerate once more after a trio of specials in 2022. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah. Coming up, we will have a look at what is coming our way after the Olympics. What are the big showdowns? What are the big shows? Plus, we'll open up the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching. You are listening to TV Black Box. Thanks very much. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Okay, now it's time for the big issue. And for that, today we're crossing to Aaron Ryan. Aaron, take it away. Thanks, Rob. Geez, I've always wanted to say that. Uh, the Olympia Games are well into their second week, and this Sunday, August the 8th, regular television returns to our screens, and it is game on. There is going to be some real-time slot battles, and I thought we would take this opportunity to play the Who Will Rise and Who Will Crumble game. Such fun. I've chosen five key battlegrounds, um, and let's see what the team think. The only footnote to this is you can consider the launch episode for next week uh, in your response, but generally I want to know what you think uh, or who you think will win the duel over the season. So battle number one, Sunday nights will be The Block on nine versus The Voice on seven and Australian Survivor on ten. So let's go... Rob McKnight. Uh, well, I actually watched some of the first episode of The Voice last night, and I've got to say, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought the judges were fantastic. Um, I really loved the song. Got a side note I've got to ask you, though, guys. Do they tell the audience what to wear? Because I'm sure a note's gone out saying you can only wear white or dark colours. The audience is actually colour-coordinated. So uh, I, I, I think... That's a thing. And even the families are in the greys and whites and dark. Wow. So, um, yeah, that's my hot tip. Little thing I noticed. But I think The Block is it's just a solid show and I think it will pip The Voice. I think Survivor will get squeezed out. Block and Voice, great production. So is Survivor. We all know that. But I think it will become a two-horse race with The Block just getting past the finish line. Mog, do you think after 17 seasons, the block will still triumph? It, it certainly still got it. And that Sunday night, you know, room reveal uh, will, I think, remain the most competitive and, and the one that will bring the block home. Um, the challenge for The Voice is that once you get through the blind auditions, which is by far the most entertaining part of that show for mine, it tapers off. It gets less interesting after yeah, you have agree. the chair spinning because mm. then it's just a singing show, air quotes, whereas we're already seeing, and this is bloody smart from uh, the promo producers at The Block, we're already they're already pitching The Block as the most controversial and argumentative and all of those sorts of things already. And I think that's, uh, that's a big winner. I agree with Rob. I think that unfortunately Survivor will be collateral damage in this, um, though I will still keep watching it because I'm hooked. I'm loving this season of Survivor. Has it been good? I haven't seen much of it, to be honest, Mulg, but it, it is holding up really well. And how is it different to previous seasons? And is the Australian location working? Oh, they, I don't think they've made too much of the Australian location yet. Mm-hmm. Not really. Which is smart. Um, I think that's smart. I, I think that it, it's been some really great casting that has brought it home. There's a, mm. uh, an AL, New South Wales ALP staffer called George who talked a massive game in the promos uh, and has been on the back foot the entire time. <laughs> but he talks a massive game. It has been just an incredible... I, I have not liked him, but I've warmed to him far too much. And there's been some great upsets and some great shakes and already I think they're playing this season of Survivor really well. And what about you, Sarah? Um, I would have thought the block would be tired, but then the pandemic hit and um, now there's like this huge housing boom. I don't know if it's as big (laughs) in Australia as it is here, but like here you can put a house in the market and people are buying it sight unseen within like seven days um, for like, you know, massive amounts above the asking price because people are just throwing money. So I think the block is probably going to really be pumped up by the fact that everybody is stuck at home and is like, how do I make the place that I am 
basically a prisoner in uh, more palatable. And so I think that everyone's going to watch all of these home shows just to work out how to do it. And I think Survivor's saving grace is because people are locked down and you're in an outdoor location that people will watch it just to see outside. I think Survivor will drop away with the competition as well. In terms of the block and the voice, I want to call a draw, but since that is not fun, I am calling the block um, after an initial first big episode of The Voice. So if I had a bell over here, we have declared the block will win that slot. Jesus. Oh, we do have a bell. <laughs> Lovely. Always ready to go. <laughs> Battle number two, the 100 with Andy Lee on nine. Australia now and then on seven and the cheap seats on 10 and Mulk, your first up. Oh, mate. Um, I, I, I still think the cheap seats is too long. It needs to be 30 minutes or they need to rework that last half hour. So it's going to struggle. I think that people will tune in to check out Andy Lee in a panel format to see what the hundred looks like. I, I, I'm not a massive, massive history buff. So for me, Australia now and then doesn't draw me in. However, given the the pickup that Seven will have got across the Olympics, I think it'll probably win out out of those three on Tuesday night. Rob, what do you reckon? I am going to say that I do love a bit of the history stuff, but I'm going to go for The 100. I think The 100 is the kind of show that will suit Andy Lee really, really well. He needs it too. Um, Jesus. The promos haven't sold me completely yet. I think this will be one that hopefully grows. I think the cheap seats is dead. Two weeks in, its ratings slashed, and I know it was up against the Olympics, but they didn't learn any of the lessons from the feedback after week one. Everything Mulk said is correct. That first 30 minutes is tight. It's fun. Although I got a bit put off last week by the New Zealand references. It feels like a New Zealand-produced show with a New Zealand presenter who doesn't understand anything about Australia. She literally said, I don't know who Samantha Armitage is. Sorry, there's not an Australian who doesn't know who Samantha Armitage is. That's just such a cultural reference. Even I know who Sam Armitage is, and I haven't lived in Australia for 20 years. Yeah, (laughs) I found it really (laughs) off-putting. The fact is, whether you call it racism or what, I I don't know what to call it, we don't give a shit about New Zealand in this country. <laughs> you know, like wow. if an American came and didn't know who Sam that. Armitage was, but they were appearing on Australian TV, we go, oh, well, fair enough. But when a New Zealand comes and gets a job in this country, when a New Zealander comes and gets a job as a presenter in this country and doesn't know local references, we just think it's lame. And seriously, the focus on New Zealand news, and I, they're obviously using the Have You Been Paying Attention production team in New Zealand to find clips for them, but it's so much New Zealand content, we don't care. I'm sorry. It, it's That's why co-pros will never work here because we don't care about New Zealand. We don't care about content shot in New Zealand. Simple, simple fact. It's like Paul Henry presenting a breakfast program and he said our Prime Minister in the first episode. People like me went, he's not your Prime Minister, mate. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> the cheap seats is dead. I, I hate saying that because I love working dog. I really believe in the 9pm strategy. But, you know, the sports segment is a waste of time. The back half just doesn't do anything. Um and, and the, it's a format that can grow tired very, very quickly. I wonder if New 
Zealanders are as tired of Australian shit as you are of Kiwis. No, New Zealanders look, well, maybe, but New Zealanders do look up to Australia like uh, it's all happening over there. They report more on what's happening in Australia than we ever do about what's happening in New Zealand. So I wouldn't bet on it. I can only judge by what I see in their news services that there's a lot of Australian content, so I'm just using actual data. But whatever. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh, please. Actual anecdotal data. Well done. <laughs> Let's get back on track. But your opinion is much stronger, I'm sure, Malk. <laughs> so it was the cheap seats, the hundred, and what else? And Australia now and then. It, it, it appears, because I haven't, I haven't seen the episode, but it appears to be like a 20 to 1 sort of clip show where celebrities speak about certain events in history and then overlays with the video type thing. It, it looks like a 20 to 1, and sorry to 7 if that's not the case. I just, every time I hear The 100, I think it's that god-awful, I think it was the WB or something, had a TV show, and it was a bunch of Australian and New Zealand actors on there um, in oh, yeah. the American one, and it was like, I just wanted to slash, the, like, it was like, you had to watch it because you just wanted to see if they finally destroyed the rest of civilization. but it was the worst fucking television show I've ever watched, but it was strangely <laughs> addictive, and we had to power our way through it. Um, so every time I hear The 100, I think of that, and I probably wouldn't be able to watch this one now um and then i do like the idea of now and then and um uh god i don't know it's up it's anyone's guess so like most viewers there's nothing there at nine o'clock that's going to draw you in so once again i I seriously think a strip show at nine o'clock is the way to go but nobody listens to me well like a strip show like girls on a pole no, 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 no. Like <laughs> a news entertainment show um, uh, without wanting, with something like the ARR show, but with other people. Though any network but that did want to offer up girls on a poll four nights a week, they, they would win ratings. the ratings. <laughs> if they showed the world championships of pole dancing, they would absolutely win. It's so true. It's so true. <laughs> And somehow the big issue got to pole dancing. There we go. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> I'm calling the 100 with Andy Lee, then Australia Now and Then, and finally the cheap seats, but be- but only because there were two or three main echoing things of impro- for improvement for the cheap seats, um, which was universal from the audience, and 10 and or Working Dog just ignored them all um, mm-hmm. and, and, and offered the same show. And, in fact, it got a little bit worse with the New Zealand stuff. Yeah. Anyway, Battle 3 will be RFDS on 7, Paramedics on 9, and Bull Repeats on 10. <laughs> and I'm just waiting for someone to think Bull Repeats might win the slot. Sarah, <laughs> you're up. So they've got two medical shows and then Bull. Two, um, one's, one's, one's a, one's a drama. A, one's an, uh, yeah, one's a, an Australian oh, so drama. Oh, so one's and, scripted and one's reality? Yeah. yeah. Hmm. I'm going to go with scripted and... Um, yeah, nobody's going to watch Paul. I don't care how cute he is. It's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, probably probably scripted over reality. Rob? Look, um, I've got to say that obviously Bull's not a contender here. But RFDS versus paramedics, I've got to say it, the scripted one might get me in. I'm not usually big on Australian drama. and There's nothing that usually gets me in. But I'm actually liking the look of this. But I would normally go paramedics because I like the real-life drama of that. Now, is this a remake? Wasn't there, like, Royal Flying Doctor service back in the day? Like, wasn't that one of the one that, like, Yeah, it's like, called someone... Flying Doctors. Yeah. Yeah, so is this just, a like, an, an updated version of that? 
I think it's I think it's just the title. It doesn't really have any correlation between the the Channel Nine version thirty years ago. But playing on the same themes. Yeah. I'm gonna go paramedics, but that is not a having a go at the RFDS. I just think Australians' appetite for drama is Australian drama specifically is not that high. And Mulk. Par- paramedics um, is an established. Uh, Obdoc franchise that people love. It does huge business. I'm super keen to see RFDS, and I really want it to succeed. I haven't had a chance to look at it in the uh, in the preview portal yet. Uh, a great cast. Like I'm really, really keen for it to succeed. It'll have to rope me in, and uh, I think it's as much as as much as I think we should let drama kind of sit and bubble with this. If that first episode doesn't grab us anymore, we're cooked. You know, so it's it's really yep. all the pressure is on that first episode of RFDS, which I'd love to give it to, but I think paramedics by nose. I am going to call RFDS on this one, but that is because I've actually watched the first episode. I'll mention it in the binge box later. Um, it's it's excellent. Um, and then paramedics, and then yeah, there we go. Bull repeats. I think ABC. We, we have to uh, don't forget also usually have a big Wednesday night at eight thirty as well. So they'll be in there as well. Okay. I love ABC Wednesday nights. They do such a good job. All right, Battle Four. Have you been paying attention on Ten versus Celebrity IOU on Nine? Now they had uh, said that they were going to do an Australian version. This is just the American version. I think the first episode is Gwyneth Paltrow um, and 911 Lone Star on 7. So, Rob? This is a no-brainer for me. It's Have You Been Paying Attention? Although I do need to point out last night, Have You Been Paying Attention only did 477,000 in the five cap cities, but it's Olympics. Olympics. So 100%. you're not going to hold anything 100%. against that show, which has proven under normal conditions it is can be the number one entertainment show of the night. And nothing that I'm hearing about what's on the opposition channels is making me think, have you been paying attention, is in any danger. And this is what I'm saying about 10's 9pm strategy. I think they're smart. Other people are starting to get in the games. We're seeing these other programs coming up. But have you been paying attention is the one. Okay, and Volk. It's hard to go past have you been paying attention, isn't it? Like there's, there just doesn't seem to be anything else that could line up against it other no. than the Olympics. And Sarah, you think obviously have you been paying attention? Celebrity IOU with Gwyneth Paltrow might not just give a little bit of a dent in there? No, I don't think anyone in Australia cares about Gwyneth. Um, or I, I'm going to go with the cast. Or her like, vagina things. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I'm going to go with have you been paying attention. And obviously, I think, have you been paying attention, uh, will win. I think 911 Lone Star might even just pip Celebrity IOU, but it is tough because it is a renovating show that airs after the block. So it is actually a good flow program. But, um, of course, have you been paying attention, will win. And the last battle is The Block versus The Bachelor versus, well, here we go. Week one next week will be The Farmer Wants a Wife reunion episode. And then the following week, it will be The Block, The Bachelor and Nurses which is uh, similar, obviously, to paramedics on nine. So, Malk, what do you reckon? It's hard to see the block. I mean, that's its worst performing segments. Wednesday, Thursday are, are not the best for the block, but I, I think, honestly, it'll, it's going to walk all over The Bachelor, and I don't think that uh, nurses will, will measure up. All right, and Sarah? 
Uh, I actually did watch the first episode of Nurses because you reminded me that I have screening access and so that was what I watched before I came here. Um, and uh, I think I enjoyed it because I'm very homesick and it had so much B-roll of Sydney that I almost shed a tear. Um, <laughs> so um, to me, I will probably watch it just for the home factor, but probably everyone in Sydney doesn't care. Um, people in Australia will just be like, whatever, it's Sydney. We don't give a shit about the B-roll. But it was fascinating, um, and it reminded me of old school, like, US shows about, you know, like, tales from the ER and stuff before, uh, you know, medical privacy laws took over. Um, but it was interesting and I had wondered if they filmed it before COVID or after COVID. Um, and apparently it is during COVID. So that was an extra factor. Um, and I think that it may do well, but I'm not sure against the block because, you know, people are already invested in the block and so they'll be watching it. Hmm. And uh, for the final say, Rob, do you think perhaps The Bachelor might just rise or when The Bachelorette comes back, it might uh, make a little dent at all? I think The Bachelor is dead. Uh, Australia has fallen out of love with The Bachelor. This season has been a disaster. And you can't just blame it all on the Olympics because the launch was before the Olympics and it was its lowest launch ever. When you've got people like James Weir at news.com.au who say The Bachelor is dead and he said he got up and started doing chores instead of watching the show, you know you've got a problem. Now, is it casting is it fatigue the fact is for many years we've had the bachelor the bachelor in paradise the bachelorette back to back and i've never understood that strategy i've never understood why you wouldn't space them out at different in different quarters just to give them some space this idea of going straight from one to the other blows my mind well and then they did the celebrity ones because they had sophie monk and then they had um the honey badger one and then if you go back to just civilians after having celebrity ones does it lose its luster like do people yeah, want I think more that's a, of the... i think that's a really interesting point and sophie was fantastic on that series uh look the simple fact is that the bachelor will be back next year but it shouldn't be and if it comes back, it shows that 10 don't have the programming expertise to come up with new ideas. They should have been thinking three years ago, what's replacing The Bachelor? Because this year, it's dead on arrival. You've got major problems with MasterChef and now The Bachelor. And my tip is The Bachelorette won't work. I don't think it's going to resonate. Uh, people might be sitting there saying, oh, same-sex girls on girls. You know, like, if people really want that, Porn's really easily accessible. This isn't 1993 anymore. Um, the fact is I don't think the titillation of the same-sex girl-on-girl action is going to be enough to save that franchise. And I think that it's fatigued. Maybe I'm wrong when it comes to The Bachelorette. Maybe the old blokes will just love it, but that'll affect 10s under-50s demo. I, I don't think under-50s are going to overly care. I think they think that should just be the norm. Maybe the people is, will be hoping a, for a threesome in the hot tub. Yeah, well, I think it's a stride forward for Australian TV and good on 10 for all that. You know, there is the old term, you go woke, you go broke. That may be a case here. I don't know. But the fact is... Bachelor casting hasn't resonated. What will happen with The Bachelorette? And to answer your question, I think The Farmer Wants a Wife reunion will beat The Block. Well, especially since that chick said she was pregnant, right? Oh, like, there's so much. Other... There's so much to come back to Farmer Wants a Wife, and it's been a great performer for seven. And that's a one-off. Yes. But after that, 
it'll be the block all the way by a country mile. There is nothing, and I know what you said, Malk, about the later half of the week being the um, uh, the weaker slots for the block. Yep. But I think this year there's nothing in there that says to me it's facing any real stiff competition. I think the block by a country mile. Wow. Absolutely agree. The block will win. Uh, agree with Rob. Father wants a union. Uh, Father wants a wife. A union will do well and probably beat the block. But then after that, I'm very worried about nurses. Um, I actually even think the bachelor might make up some ground. It won't be huge, but the bachelor might even get in front. Whole big story about the bachelor, though. I, I completely disagree with Rob. I think it's just the casting this year. I think it was really really bad casting on this particular season of the bachelor, but. There we go. Figures have been dropping year on year every year. Yeah, but it's it, it's still been up there six hundred. I mean, it's it's respectable numbers against whatever seven and nine are doing. We've had our say. What do the listeners think? And what will Oztam reveal? And let me say, they could be three very different things. And that has been the big issue. Back to you, Rob. Thank you, Aaron. Now it's time to open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching as we wrap this sucker up. Let's go through them quickly, Mulkey. Uh, it's been all Olympics for me, basically. I'm, I'm not at home at the moment. I'm out with my parents on the farm, so I've got limited access to stuff. Been really great to watch all sorts of Olympics. Uh, that's been pretty good, though. I will offer that I did watch on Binge. It's also available on Foxtel Catch-Up. Woodstock 99 which is a documentary about the uh, Woodstock Festival held 1999 in uh, New York State that was a complete schmozzle, absolutely went to town. Mm. This is ultimately what Fire Festival would have been had it happened. Um, it ended over three nights. It meant to be peace, love, and music. On the final night, there was a riot. Uh, they burnt everything that they could. Um, it just got out of control, and it's an amazing thing to watch. So they didn't have mm. the same drugs as the original Woodstock is what oh, you're no, saying? I think they had a whole bunch of other drugs. <laughs> That's exactly right. Sarah, what have you been watching? Um, so Gary Gennetti made a cartoon. Um, he has a really funny Instagram, and then he tried to make a cartoon called The Prince, and it sucks. It's really terrible. Um, it's on HBO Max, um, and it's 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 not funny. I mean, it's, it's meant to be about the royals, and it's from the, the view of Prince George. Um Nobody really has British accents and it's oh. just it's just <laughs> mean and it's like it's not even funny. Like like sometimes like mean is funny and this isn't it's just very mean spirited and like the only funny bits are kind of when they make fun of Meghan Markle um and Prince wow. Harry who is Orlando Bloom. So I guess they did have one British accent. Um, and otherwise it's just like we powered through just to see if it, and it was late at night and we were sick and we were just trying to watch it and we're like, nah, this sucks. And then um, I watched Nurses. Um, we tried to power through Manifest and that just is not getting any better. And, um, of course, NCIS. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Well, my kids have been watching American Dad on Disney Plus, and I've got to say, I'm trying to skew them away from that because <laughs> I, I, I saw them watching. I went, okay, and then I sat down with them, and then some of the content came up, and I was like, no, this is not good. But my my 11 year old loves it. She just loves Look it. Out. But I'm really trying to stop her from watching it. Um, I've been watching 
eight out of ten cats does countdown on SBS on demand. Excellent choice. I just love it. I love, love, love it. Although it's really random what episodes SBS has got. They'll have one episode from one season and then others from other seasons. Um, I then led me to watching eight out of ten cats on Amazon Prime, which I've been watching and really enjoying. Outside of that, because I'm at the moment, you know what I'm like, Mug. Sometimes I just like to sit down, have a you know, 10 minute lunch and, and watch something in for 10 minutes and watch two minutes of a TV show. Yeah. Pretty well, 10 minutes. <clears throat> so that's why out of 10 cats is doing that, but I haven't got a comedy series or something at the moment to do that with. There's a lot of dramas I'm liking. I'm still trying to get through, um, blood and stone. Is that what it's called on Netflix? But I've, I haven't gone back to that for ages. We've managed to get through another couple of episodes of the handmaid's tale. And I'm really, really enjoying that this season. I I really want to go back to it. Um, uh, so, and, and I'm finding lots of little treasures on BritBox. You know, the goodies is there. But I've just had an email drop. Amazon Studios have announced the Lord of the Rings original series will premiere on Friday, September 2, 2022. So we've got to wait over a year for it. Sorry, I got excited. But that's what I'm going to be watching in September. Oh, 2022. Right. Well, I'm going to give a plug to the newsletter because the newsletter mm. had me very excited this week because it told mm. me that Billions is coming back. Yes. Ah, there you go. And I was like, oh, because I, and I literally said to Matt the night before, when the fuck is Billions coming back? Because that's the only thing I want to watch. And then the newsletter came out and it told me it was coming back. And now I'm happy again. So you get extra information in the newsletter. You can subscribe at tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. So go ahead and subscribe. Aaron, what have you been watching? Well, I've got one really nerdy one. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But uh, RFDS on 7. So I have watched the first episode, and I must agree with David Knox on TV Tonight. In his review, he thought that the show heralded an old-style Australian drama like Blue Healers, Water Rats, All Saints, or even, of course, The Flying Doctors from 20 or 30 years ago. I, too, got that feeling. It felt very familiar and almost nostalgic and very, very Australian. So I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, in fact, I, I probably would have put it in the 7.30 slot instead of Nurses, but that's uh, my opinion. The Voice, um, I have watched Sunday's premiere, and, well, there's not so much Seven can really do with the format. It is what it is, so it looks very similar to the version on Nine. I do like the combination of judges, though. There was only two males featured in the first episode, so it was a very female-heavy episode. Um, first couple of singers, I thought, yeah, yeah, same old, same old. And then a girl did this version of Men at Works Down Under, and yes, there was a small tear. Um, it was <laughs> it was actually really good. And there was an interesting one too. You know when they set up someone that looks really super nerdy and you think this is going to go either way, it's going to be real, real, real bad or really, really, really good? Well, well, seven made it unexpected. They just came out and were quite average. So it's uh, it's quite interesting. Spoiler alert. And my last one, the nerdy one, Netflix have released a new version of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe in, in cartoon form. Um, I was a big, big fan of the 80s cartoon. Mm. And it promised to be just another, sorry, just to continue the story from the 80s with all the characters you love. Well, let me say, biggest let down of the year. I knew it was going oh, to be. I knew it. See, if any, if anyone remembers the female character Teela from the original, well, Sheera? it should be retitled to the New Adventures of Teela. It really is just a Teela spin-off. Um, oh, and this He-Man fanatic, 
does not want a Teela spin-off. Thank you very much. So, Where's Shira? I thought, yeah, we'll different have planet, different universe. Um, the, the, <laughs> exactly. See, I would challenge you on that. I, I was skeptical going in, Aaron. This is one I did watch. Uh, and I I didn't know what was going on through the first episode, but I have to say Kevin Smith really brought it home. Those first five eps were amazing, a great cliffhanger at the end of the fifth, and there's another five episodes coming shortly, so I can't wait to get into it. I, I'm absolutely sold on this, this uh, re-enlivened Masters of the Universe. And that brings us to the end of TV Black Box. Don't forget, for all your TV news, go to tvblackbox.com.au and do me a favour. The haters are back out in force, so go and leave a five-star review and a positive comment on the uh, iTunes podcast page. Beat those haters down with a with a flattering comment. <laughs> Although probably some of their commentary is true. I do talk too much and I rant. Uh, anyway. <laughs> like that outro. Aaron, Malk and Sarah, thank you very much. We'll see you next week on the TV Black Box. Bye, Bye Channel Trump. Anything, Malk? No. <laughs> Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.